some say advertising is dead. My guest this week, Chris Daly, disagrees. It's very much alive, but we need disruptive advertising to succeed. Welcome to episode 201 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plug me and my guests into your earphones. Wow. Thank you for your feedback on last week's monumental milestone 200th edition. I've been flattered and humbled by the feedback you've given me on that episode. It really was a good idea getting Chris Marr, my good friend from the Content Marketing Academy, in to do a sort of warts and all behind the scenes interview. So if you still haven't listened to episode 200, go and check it out. So this week I'm back into the interviewing seat. So let's get straight into this week's interview with Chris Daly, all about disruptive advertising. Chris Daly, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to talk. Chris, we are Zooming each other from across the pond. Tell me exactly where you're based. So I am based in Utah, just south of Salt Lake City. So uh, the skiing slash snowboarding capital of, of the United States, or as we say, the best snow on earth. Chris, you work for a company with the intriguing name of Disruptive Advertising. And advertising as a marketing guy fascinates me. And there are all sorts of things that people say about advertising these days, like that it's dead and especially TV advertising's on the way out. But before we get to that, Chris, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, where you are now, where you're going, and basically what makes Chris Daly tick. I am a, a marketing guy that that got into marketing almost completely by accident. I was uh, I was in college. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career and ran into a distant relative of mine that I literally have not seen since, you know, this is like 11 years ago. And she was working for a, a marketing agency that were looking for salespeople. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't interested in the marketing aspect. I was just thought, oh, sales, that's a great way to earn money while I'm going to school. So I went and got a sales job at this company and I was selling search engine optimization, which is all about getting ranked and found on Google. And I fell in love with this whole concept. You know, I did. I had no idea that there was a whole world and a whole profession that went on behind the scenes of Google. And that really intrigued me because that's something that I and most people use on a daily basis. Yeah. And so I ended up applying. I spent about four months in the sales division and then applied for an internal job. I switched over uh, to doing search engine optimization. And, and so I spent a few years doing that. And again, you know, this is with the objective of driving traffic to websites. You, know, you want people to find you on Google so they will come to your site and buy your product or you know, fill out your lead form or whatever it is. And, and I ended up at a company where we were having phenomenal, phenomenal results on, on the Google front. We were getting a lot of traffic. In fact, in a six-month time period, we tripled the traffic we were getting to our website. Wow. 
which sounds amazing, right? I mean, yeah. and you would think that that would have a huge impact on the business. But the deeper we started to dive into the numbers, the more I started to realize a lot of this traffic isn't converting. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing's happening with these people. And so then I started to ask some of the questions that still really make me tick and get me excited to get out of bed every morning. Some of those questions are, what is it that people are actually looking for when they're coming to the website? You know, why would somebody come to a site and not convert and not buy something very similar to a question that a retail store might ask, for example, like, why would somebody walk into our store and not buy something, right? These are, these are fundamental core marketing and advertising questions at, that I was kind of led to by necessity. Asking some of these questions eventually led me to the career field that I'm in now, uh, you know, I discovered what's called conversion rate optimization or website you know, website testing. And, and I learned that you could test multiple different versions of a website at the same time uh, to really uh, tease out what people are looking for. And, and so anyway, so I, I discovered this industry. I, I was very intrigued. I ran a test on one of our landing pages that was getting a lot of Google traffic. I made a change. I didn't really have any idea what I was doing at the time, but I made a change on the page and it converted way better. And then I, you know, was sitting there going, wow, that's interesting. I can't believe that had that big of an impact. Why? Why did it have that big of an impact on people? You know, and, and the rest is kind of history from there. And then I ended up starting my own company uh, close to five years ago. And after running my own company doing conversion rate optimization services for businesses, uh, I ended up merging with the company that I'm at now, which is Disruptive Advertising. So that's the the short spiel on how I got into doing what I am now. And of course, there's a lot of logic behind what you've said there. And, and quite obviously, it makes sense to test different adverts, different web pages, different colors, because these things affect different people in different ways. And, and of course, you want to make sure that you are attracting the right sort of customer to your website and, and everything you've said makes sense. But I'm really interested in this whole this whole disruptive advertising title that you have for the business that you're working for at the moment. Now, some people will say that in the current world that we live in, you know, advertising's on the way out. And, you know, th th this is the time of year, isn't it, when you have the top 10 predictions for the future of marketing. <laughs> and, and most of the top 10 predictions include, well, TV advertising is definitely on the way, way out. Nobody advertises in magazines or on billboards anymore. And actually, pop-ups are a waste of time. So why are we even doing advertising at all? Yeah. And I mean, you bring up a great point. And especially with our very socially minded world, with, with social media being such a large part of people's lives, a lot of people are predicting that, you know, that marketing or the advertising is going to become just a social play, you know, engage uh, social influencers and have them market your products for you or whatever. Uh, and, and there's, there's certainly some ground to that. I mean, that it's, it's obvious that, you know, social media influencers, those types of things, you know, have a big impact on, uh, a lot of, a lot of customer behavior. And, and this is where we kind of talk about the, the disruptive side of things and why we, named the company disruptive advertising but there is some truth to what you said about like traditional advertising being dead that doesn't mean that it's going away what that means is if you do things the way that people have always done them results don't typically get better and better over time T results typically get worse and worse if you just use the same old marketing tactic if you use the same old advertising uh, tactics and channels over and over and over again and the reason for that is 
you know, psych psychologically, we start, we as humans start to tune out things that we see mm. repetitively, you know? And so you brought up like pop-up advertisements or like banner advertisements online or even billboards for that matter. Part of the reason that those don't, that, that those haven't been performing quite as well as they used to is people have seen them so much, so frequently in so many places that they just start to ignore it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where the term like banner blindness comes from. People become blind to these things. And so when, when we talk about, or when I talk about a disruptive approach at advertising, what we mean is trying new things, trying to innovate, trying to figure out if people don't want to see what I'm doing now, what do they want to see, mm. right? For me, it's a pairing of traditional marketing and advertising with human psychology, mm -hmm. you know, a, an understanding of how the human brain works. How do people think? Why do they make the decisions that they do? And, and this is where a lot of businesses really struggle. One of the traps that it's easy to get into either as a business owner or as a marketing person or a working professional is you get a little bit of information and then you think you know everything. Yes. <laughs> so I'll give you an example of this. I had a client that came to us that had just spent a ton of money on a new website design, uh, like $350,000 mm -hmm. designing and building this new website. Yeah. And they came to us and said, well, we're feeling a little bit frustrated because we, we created this new website. We, we did all this research. We found out our customers are, in, are on Instagram. So people are on Instagram, they're coming to our website from Instagram on their mobile devices. And so we understand, you know, who these people are. And since we know they're coming from Instagram and mobile, we know what kind of website we should build. And so then they, you know, they built out and designed this new website that, uh, that was based on all of these assumptions, you know, that like Instagram users want to see lots and lots of pictures and they want to see lots and lots of products and, you know, all these things. And yet it hadn't worked. And so there's this dangerous and very easy slippery slope of, I know that my users are on a mobile device. I know they're coming from Instagram. Therefore, my website should look like Instagram. Yeah. But the thing is that those two don't necessarily go together, you know, just because people are coming from Instagram to my website, or, you know, I could even, I could even expand this to a physical retail store, you know, um, you, you could build a Walmart location that is right off the side of the beach and you could say, well, because people are coming from the beach, they are going to want, you know, X, Y, and Z. And you could, you could put a bunch of stuff out there, you know, they're going to want potato chips and they're going to want soda. So let's just, let's only sell those things. Yeah. <laughs> and that may not be what people actually want. You know, they may be coming, they may be coming there and they may actually be wanting a glass of milk or they may be wanting uh, to buy clothes or you know, whatever. But, but if you go in assuming that you know what your audience wants, oftentimes we're setting ourselves up for failure um, because we're not thinking about it with a, with a curious mind. And I say a curious mind, meaning we're not trying to really get curious and ask ourselves, what does my audience really want? So to me, being a disruptive marketer, being a disruptive advertiser is about constantly challenging your own assumptions, your own biases, and never thinking that you just have it all figured out, right? Like there are no permanent best practices when it comes to advertising. Because once something has become a best practice, once everybody has adopted a certain tactic, that tactic is on its way out because people are going to start ignoring it. And so you need to constantly be changing and innovating and trying new things so that just become in another, uh, 
you know, another product on the shelf, so to speak. You add to the noise. You know, there's so much stuff that you said there that resonates with me, Chris, and I agree with a lot of what you've said. And, and again, a lot of marketers, and, and you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem from time to time. We do get seduced by the toys, don't we? We want to play with Instagram. We want to play with Twitter. And you that's a communication tool. It's a tactic. You need to understand your customer and what turns them on and what their thoughts processes are and what their needs are and what their problems are in order to tailor make the solution, the product or the service that you offer. And then you can start thinking about how do we communicate it and ultimately how do we advertise it. So so that that's really interesting what you said there. And of course, again, we're all adding to this noise, aren't we? You know, And, and, I, and I understand what you're saying about if everybody jumps on the same bandwagon then eventually it just becomes obscured um, and everybody just sees through it at the moment uh, I I consume quite a lot of um, YouTube video and every single YouTube video that I've watched over the last two weeks has had an advert you know the five second advert that you can't click through at the beginning (laughs) the the five second advert for a game called Guns of Glory which I have absolutely (laughs) no interest in buying it's just not the sort of game that I want to play but for some reason I guess the, the the YouTube algorithm has identified me as a potential buyer for this game and I'm just saying for goodness sake I don't want to see this advert again I don't you know give me an advert for potato chips or give me an advert for oven cleaner or something but not guns of bloody glory again and 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 you know if if you know I just can't it, it, it's become it's just become this fog this five second fog at the beginning of a YouTube video I don't even register it as that game anymore I just see right through it and that's exactly what's happening so so I'm a traditional marketer, Chris. I was um, I was brought up um, thinking about things like the four P's of marketing, and and you know my favourite advertising um, structure is the good old fashioned AIDA structure. You know, grab somebody's attention, stimulate their interest, create a desire, and then get them to take action. Is is, yep. is that still relevant these days? It absolutely is because the principle of that is is all based on psychology, right? Mm. There's not a formulaic approach to grabbing somebody's attention for engaging their interest. That that is going to be different in almost every case with each new product you have, with each business you have, with each new audience. Because again, you know, I go back to and and you nailed it on the head with, you know, you're seeing this uh this advertisement that isn't relevant to you. But I mean, it must be relevant to somebody because it's working somewhere. But it's very easy to, to try something and it works for one audience. And so then we go, okay, this is our approach. This is what we sh- how we should market our product. And then you go and use that exact same ad everywhere. Mm. In most cases, businesses aren't just using a single ad and they're, and they're just publishing that ad everywhere. But it is easy to go, okay, we've figured out the formula, you know, we figured out that if we say this and this, uh, we, you know, we, we grab their attention, we engage their interest. So now let's just use that same formula over and over and over and over again. And what's interesting is, so we, we recently had a, uh, a client of ours that we were discussing their website experience. And we were talking about, you go from their homepage to a category page. And on the category page, you know, you look at all the products that they have listed there. 
And there's just certain information. It's like a picture and the name and the price. And it's easy, first of all, to assume, okay, because they have come from our landing page to this category page, they're already bought in. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't need to try to convert them on this page. They've already they've already expressed interest in my product. But if you are truly, I mean, if if you're truly thinking about marketing, it is a constant process, mm-hmm. right? It is a continual process of of keeping their attention engaged, keeping their interest peaked, making sure that they're aware that what they what they were wanting when they first clicked on your your website or when they first clicked on your advertisement, it's your job to make sure that they know it's still relevant and we still have the solution for you, right? Even as you go through the website, you need to continue dangling the carrot. But so we um we we suggested to them, we said, let's figure out what do people want to see on this category page. You know, you have a pretty standard category page. Let's figure out what they do and do not want to see. We created a test on their category page where we would say, okay, hey, let's let's figure out what happens when we remove the price on the category page. Is that something they need to see here? Let's figure out what happens when we make the image larger and show less products on this page. Let's figure out what happens if, you know, if we remove the reviews. And as, as they started looking at this test, they, they, they said, well, why would we do any of these things? All of our competitors do this. You know, all of our competitors have the price on their category page. So why would we remove it? Yeah. Like that seems absurd. You know, why do we show fewer products on the page? Uh, that doesn't doesn't seem to make sense. We want to give people as many options as possible. And so it's really easy to look at the formula that seems to be working for other people and say, I should just follow the formula. I should just follow what seems to be working for these other guys. And the interesting thing was when we launched this test, removing the price, reducing the number of, of products on the page had a dramatic positive impact. Right. I mean, we're talking 20 to 30% increases in sales from removing some of this stuff that seems to just be best practice. Like it's, you know, and so, I mean, you, you brought up this approach towards marketing and the approach absolutely works as long as you never just assume, okay, now that we figured it out or now that somebody else has figured it out, let's just follow the, let's just follow the rote formula because it's a constant process of learning and challenging your assumptions and challenging what other people's assumptions are. You know, just because something worked for your competitor doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Okay, so let's go through the process then of of coming up with a um, a good advertising strategy for. And let's say let's say it's a, a smallish business, not got the deep pockets of big corporates. So I'm not spending millions and millions of dollars of pounds on advertising. So modest budget. What today is the best way for me to be disruptive with my advertising? Should I be on Facebook? Should it be pay-per-click, Google ads? What do you think? Every business needs to try out and figure out what is going to work for your business. Some businesses do exceptionally well on Facebook. You know, you can run Facebook ads and see phenomenal success. Other businesses really struggle on Facebook. You know, there are some like general questions that I would ask, you know, like, what is the business? If you are, you know, if, if you are an up and coming services business, Facebook 
can be kind of challenging. That doesn't yeah. mean you shouldn't try it, but Facebook can be challenging because you're usually, uh, you know, if, if you are a services business and if you're marketing to, to businesses or business owners, you can sometimes reach them on Facebook, but sometimes they're not in the right mindset to yeah. actually engage with your, with your business versus a, a product-based business. And so again, but there's not like a hard and fast rule. For every time I have seen a business be successful on Facebook, I have seen another business in the same industry struggle on Facebook. And so what you need to do is, you know, as you're starting out a budget and as you're starting out your business and you don't have a huge budget, first, what you need to do is you need to figure out how much is a customer worth to you. So like how, how, what, what is your average deal size? If you are a services business, what's your average close worth to you? So if you close a client, is it worth $5,000 to you? Is it worth $100 to you? Same thing on the product side. You know, if you are selling a product, what is it worth? Is it $30? Is it $300? Is it $3,000? And then the follow-up question, once you know what is your customer worth to you, the follow-up question is, how much would you pay to get that customer? Yeah. If, if my average, so I'll just tell you, like for disruptive advertising, you know, we, we look at it and we say, okay, and I'm, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to make up some numbers, but okay, our average client, uh, you know, pays us $3,000 a month. Yeah. So we would pay $2,000 to get a $3,000 client. So now how much, how much do I need to spend in, or, or how much um, traffic do I need to drive in order to get a $2,000 customer? I might need to send 2,000 people to my website in yeah. order to get enough leads so that I can close a single $2,000 customer. But what, what we do, so I mean, this is like, this is fundamental marketing approach where you kind of back into your budget, yeah. right? You don't have to have millions of dollars, but you do have to have enough. You, you do have to have enough of an expectation in your mind of how much am I going to need to spend to get some clients, right? Or to sell some products. You know, if my, if my product is a $50 bag, and I say, well, I would be willing to spend $30 to sell a bag. Then, I, then I'm going to go, okay, well, $30. How much traffic could I drive for $30? Maybe I could drive 30 clicks. So if I'm driving 30 people to my website and I need one of them to buy something, I need to make sure that this is a really good quality, that this is really good quality traffic. Yeah. And so then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and I'm going to try, I'm going to spend some money on Google. I'm going to spend some money on Facebook. I'm going to drive 300 visitors on Google, 300 visitors on Facebook. And I'm going to see which one generates more conversions for me right now. You know, and, and again, that's not to say that if Google does better, that you should never do Facebook again. But when you're just getting started, you need to try a couple different approaches, figure out what works, and then focus on that until you are starting to see enough success that you can now start exploring again. Um, so that's the first, the first step is, you know, identify what you can spend to uh, what, what you'll need to spend in order to acquire a customer or what you're willing to spend to acquire a customer. Then you need to spend that enough times to say, okay, I can acquire a customer for $30. Right. If I can't, if I'm spending money on Google and I can't acquire a customer for $30, then I, I need to do one of several things. I either need to try a different platform or I need to optimize. I need to sp spend some serious time or get somebody with expertise to optimize my Google platform so that I can get my ideal customer acquisition cost. Uh, or I need to figure out why people aren't converting on my website at yeah. the rate I'm expecting them to. Right. So a very general, broad answer to, to, uh, 
to a, a somewhat broad and general question, but I think, but I think that um, that will get people thinking in the right mindset again because I'm I'm a big proponent of of testing, testing out your marketing channels, testing out your marketing messaging, testing out your website experience, and then figuring out what seems to be resonating with my audience. Of course, we did try to condense an entire marketing funnel and advertising into a 10-minute conversation there. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, there's so much to think about. It's not just the advertising that actually gets the eyeballs on the screen to look at your website, as you've said. The copy or the video or whatever it is on your website that you're hoping will convert that person to become a customer has got to do that job as well. So it's not just getting to them to the website. It's what happens to them when they get there. Um, and of course, we could have conversations on all of those topics just as long as the one we've just had. One thing that I am interested in, though, is because obviously you're a marketing agency focusing on disruptive advertising and you want people to use advertising. But we did go through a period, didn't we, where everybody said, well, actually, you know, all you need to do is to build a great website with content that answers the questions that you customer has about your product or service and as long as it's optimized and you use the seo term before as long as it's optimized for google search etc then people will just come to your website now that's not really happened has it you, you can't get away with doing zero advertising right and and i'll tell you a couple reasons why number one just having content alone doesn't mean, e even if it's the right content, that doesn't necessarily mean that people want to see all of that content. No. <laughs> um, and, and I'll give you a perfect example. So we have, a, we have a client that's in the financial services industry. And I asked them, I said, what are your value propositions? Why do people work with you guys? And they gave me a list of like at least 10 things. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, well, we're, you know, one of the largest providers in the country. And, you know, we've got whatever, more than X billion numbers of dollars of, uh, you know, of, of funding or whatever, like whatever it was, got great customer service. And, we've, you know, we have an easy process and we have the lowest rates or whatever, you know, like all these different things that they're listing off. And so then I asked, OK, out of all of those things, which one's most important to your customers? And they go, well, they're all important. <laughs> and yeah. and that immediately was a red flag to me, not because they're, they're all not important to the client, but th when you have value propositions, they are never equally important to your, to your clients no. or to your potential customers, right? There is going to be one or two of the things that they are looking for most. And the, the problem is when you talk about all of the things that they're looking for, when you have this perfect content that addresses everything they're looking for, it's sometimes too much. Mm. It's too much information. And the one thing that they're looking for is too hard to find. And so people don't, you know, they don't respond. They either come to your website and leave, or they don't even come to your website in the first place because you're trying to be too general. And so you brought up, you have to advertise and you absolutely do. And part of the reason why is when you are running ads, it is much easier to figure out specifically what your audience wants, because I can run 10 different ads, each one of them focused on one of my unique selling propositions. Yeah. I can, you know, I can run these 10 different ads. So I have one that is just focused on great customer service. And I have another one that's just focused on best rates in the country and yada, yada. You know, like you go on with all these different ads. And so that way you can kind of tease out which one generates me the most clicks, which, which one do people seem to be responding to the best. And then I can look at my website and do the same thing. 
okay, which one or two or three should I show up at the top in a big red box so that people see it as soon as they come? You know, so it's like staring them in the face. We ran a, we ran a test like this for this client. So they had on their homepage, they had three value propositions, three unique selling propositions that were listed up at the very top of the page in their hero banner. And so we ran a test where we had, I think, three or four different versions of their homepage. And we just changed out those, those unique value propositions, those unique selling propositions. Seems like a simple enough test. Frankly, they were a little bit skeptical that this was actually going to have an impact. When we concluded the test, not only do we have an impact, we were able to increase conversion rates by about 20% just by changing those unique selling propositions that were listed at the top. But we also found out that the unique selling propositions that worked were different than the ones we thought were most yeah. important to the audience. You, you do have to market. And part of the reason that you've got to run you know, that you've got to put a budget into advertising and into marketing, uh, as well as into testing and optimizing the site, um, is, is so that you can figure out with a data-driven approach, you can figure out exactly what your audience cares about. This is all really interesting stuff. And, you know, Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that as a marketing person, one of my biggest obsessions is keeping things simple. And and yet you do see examples of what you've just described all over the world, companies that come up with propositions that are too complicated. And, and you've really just given me a lot to think about there with your example of how you can effectively simplify it by focusing the advertising, laser focusing the advertising on one part of the proposition at a time. And over time, you start to learn exactly what it is that causes the customer to convert. And that's probably an angle I've not really thought of before in terms of simplicity. Because a lot of people say, oh, God, once you get adverts in, and propositions and all that, it gets really, really complicated. But you've actually shown me a way there as how you can use advertising to be pinpoint accurate and to actually refine your propositional messages over time. And I really like that. Absolutely. Chris, it's been great to have you on the show. I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you and talk a little bit more about disruptive advertising. So what's the best way that people should get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I am, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. I mean, my name is uh, Chris Daly. Last name is spelled D-A-Y-L-E-Y. And I actually have something that your audience might be interested in. So, you know, I've talked a lot about A-B testing and, and you know, testing out different ideas. Um, and I get a lot of people that will ask me, well, I've never done any of this kind of stuff before. Like what, where, how do I get started with yeah. this? You know, like what tools do I need? What, what kinds of things should I think about? So I put together a, a starter guide that just kind of walks through all the basics. Here's the tools that you should use. Here's the first couple of things that you should probably try out. Um, you know, it, it, it just kind of walks through how to get started into this world that can sometimes feel a little bit intimidating. Um, and so people can download that on our website. It's uh, at disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Um, and it's a free download. And if you're interested in talking with Disruptive, there's a little box that you can check. Um, otherwise, you can just download the guide and be on your way. Fantastic. I'll include your contact details, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., and that web page link in the show notes for the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. Been great to speak to you. 
This is the end of my working day. I suspect with the time difference, it's probably the start of yours. So have a great day and I'll hope to catch up with you again in the future. Thank you so much, Roger. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.